Good morning. The first scripture reading is from the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter 29, reading verses 13 to 30. When Laban heard the news about his sister's son Jacob, he ran to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Jacob told Laban all these things, and Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than that I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife that I may go in to her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and he went in to her. Laban gave his maid Zilpah to his daughter Leah to be her maid. When morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Did I not serve with you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? Laban said, This is not done in our country, giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife. Laban gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel to be her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He served Laban for another seven years. And reading responsively with the words on the screen from the Old Testament, Psalm 105, reading verses 1 to 11. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wonderful works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. Remember the wonderful works he has done, his miracles and the judgments he has uttered. O offspring of his servant Abraham, children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He is mindful of his covenant forever, of the word that he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac. Which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. Saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. In the reading from the New Testament, the book of James, chapter 5, verses 7 to 16. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another, so that you may not be judged. 
see the judges standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we call blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, my beloved, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And from the New Testament book of John, chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, and you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Let us have a moment of prayer. Let us pray. O Lord our God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight this day and always. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as I said earlier, today's message is a sort of continuation of last Sunday's message where we learned about Jacob's journey to Padanaram. For those of you who'd like a quick refresher, Jacob received a blessing from his father, who also instructed him to travel to Padan Haram, which is around northwest Mesopotamia or northern Syria, to meet with his grandfather Bethuel. And he was to take a wife from among the daughters of his uncle Laban. And Jacob journeyed to Padan Haram, but he had to stop in a city named Luz because the sun was setting down and he didn't want to travel in the night. And there he had a dream where God had spoken to him, granting him the same blessing that was given to his grandfather Abraham. 
And we're continuing the story for where Jacob has left the city, now renamed Bethel, which just translates to house of God. Jacob encounters some shepherds who needed to roll a giant stone away from a well so that they could feed their sheep. And the stone was very heavy. It usually took several shepherds to move this stone. And while Jacob was chatting with the shepherds, one of the daughters of his uncle Laban came over. Her name was Rachel. And as soon as Jacob laid eyes on her, his heart was a flutter. He was so moved and empowered that he managed to move the stone away all by himself. It is not known if Jacob is particularly gifted with strength or there was some other circumstance that allowed him to move the rock on his own. But as we all know, humans can sometimes do extraordinary things in certain circumstances. And while the scriptures do not tell us about Jacob's motivation to move the stone, it would be pretty reasonable to assume that one of the potential reasons why Jacob wanted to move the stone was to impress Rachel with his prowess. Like a form of flirtation, Jacob could potentially want Rachel to see how strong he is to impress her with his skills. Paired with the fact that Jacob knew that he was out to get a wife, it's a plausible cause for his feat of strength. Now Rachel goes and tells this to her father. And when Jacob's uncle heard what she had told him, he was thrilled to have a potential son-in-law with such strength and vigor. He embraced and kissed Jacob and brought him to his house where he stayed for a whole month. And while Jacob was staying at his uncle's house, Laban asks what his wages will be. So we know that he's not there on vacation, and he's not there just to marry the daughter. But Laban has two daughters. Rachel, whom we've already met, is the youngest. And Lee is the eldest. And the scriptures note that Jacob thought Lee's eyes were lovely and that Rachel was graceful and beautiful. And ultimately, Jacob fell in love with Rachel, and so he was determined to marry her. But before we go any further, I'd like to provide a little bit of insight into marriages during Jacob's time. I took some notes from Chaim Shouse's book entitled The Lifetime of a Jew Throughout the Ages of Jewish History. And there are sections for every part of Jewish life from birth to death. And in particular, in the section about marriage, it provides some interesting and well-explained points. Now, for those of you who were paying critical attention to the scripture, some of you may be a little bit disturbed at the thought of someone marrying their cousin. It's usually frowned upon in the 21st century. But in the ancient times, marriages were typically made within narrow circles of clans or families. At the time, it was considered undesirable to marry a woman from a foreign clan out of a fear of introducing foreign beliefs and practices which would erode the traditions of an established clan. While some of us are open to new ideas and practices, at the time it was a very strong belief in the longevity and tradition of a family clan. The most popular marriages at the time were those of cousins. 
as it would provide the necessary enclosure within the same clan without having to have such a direct connection within the family. The marriage of the son was most important, as it was seen as the definitive line of a family clan. Heritage was tracked down by the male line of the family. And in a marriage, a a price was paid by the father of the groom to the father of the bride, literally paying for his son to be married off. This was called a mohar. And this would be sort of similar to a dowry in today's language. But the mohar was not always paid in coins or money. Sometimes it would be paid by precious jewels or other precious items. When a family was poor and had no money to give, there are instances of the father of the bride demanding service or favors from the groom. And in Jacob's case, he had no valuables with him. He was determined to marry Rachel, and so he offered himself to work for seven whole years. And his uncle was pleased to hear the offer. It was always wonderful to have an extra hand around the house, especially a male hand. And he wished to marry off his daughters, and especially with a man being within his own clan, he was more than pleased to take on the offer. Jacob worked hard for those seven years, and eventually he made it to the big day. Jacob was so excited and thrilled that he was barely able to focus I'm sure those of you who have or are married know that feeling of excitement. The big day of the wedding where you have all the nervous jitters and you want to just rush through the day, but you also want to be in the moment with your loved one. He loved Rachel so much that the ceremony and the celebrations felt like that rush of excitement. And so when the evening fell, Laban tricked Jacob and gave him his eldest daughter, Lee, instead. And when morning came, Jacob discovered that it wasn't Rachel that he was with that night, but rather Lee. And he demanded to know why his uncle deceived him. His uncle explains that because it's the practices of the land that the eldest daughter had to be married first. I can only imagine Jacob's fury and rage being tricked into marrying the wrong woman. So, Laban decides to make a compromise. He asks Jacob to take Lee as his wife, and then if he was willing to work another seven years, he may also take Rachel. So you can imagine the disbelief on Jacob's face when he learns that those seven years that he worked for, those seven long, hard, toiling years were for nothing. He was duped into marrying someone else. And if he wants to marry the woman he loves, he must work for another seven years. And you could only imagine the situation if his uncle had more than two daughters. If Rachel was the youngest and Lee was the eldest and there were siblings in between there would be a lot, a lot of work to be done. And truth be told, we're not sure if Jacob would go through with it. But thankfully, there are only two daughters, and so it's only another seven years. Jacob also had one benefit on his side, that his love for Rachel was so strong that the scriptures tell us that those seven years only felt like a few days. 
And so he could be reasoned to work for another seven years. It would just feel like another few days of work to him. But this time he was even more determined than before. Because there was only one daughter left to be married and he couldn't possibly be tricked again. And while the scriptures do not specify what happens if the marriage agreement was broken, we do have the the code of Hammurabi. One of the things they teach you in seminary to try and pronounce all these old names. I'm still working on that, so please bear with me. Now, in this code, it was written by a very great king and lawmaker who's described in Genesis 14, verse 1, as Amraphel, king of Shinar. And in the code, it says that if the father of the bride broke the agreement, he is to return double of everything given by the groom to him and his daughter. This would mean that Laban, if he were to go through with this marriage agreement, would have to work for Jacob for 14 years. Now, we know that Laban knew that he had to follow the customs of his land, and he knew that, he, he, that trying to convince Jacob to marry Lee was a futile attempt, because he loved Rachel. And he obviously couldn't work for Jacob for 14 years. It just wouldn't be feasible. And so he did the only thing that he had, deception. But luckily for Laban, Jacob was so in love with Rachel, he was willing to work for another seven years. I'd like you to take a moment and think of something, or think of someone, that you would be willing to work for, to envelop such passion for, that you were willing to do anything to have them or to have it. Imagine the perfect opportunity or the perfect person to form a relationship with. The other question we need to ask ourselves is that do we have that amount of love for God and for one another? Some of you know what it's like to work on a farm or a business starting out small and taking years of dedication and hard work to grow and expand. The book of James tells us how we should be seeking God diligently, being patient until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. Sometimes all that hard work doesn't turn out too well. Sometimes the crops don't bear good fruit, no matter how much work you put in. Sometimes the time and effort doesn't go anywhere. But the scriptures tell us not to grumble against one another. The judge is standing at the door. God sees our sufferings. But he also sees our patience. We see examples like Jacob who worked for 14 long years of his life just to marry the woman he loved. He worked for those 14 years because he knew that God would provide him with a family that would spread across the land. He didn't put in the effort of seven years just because he simply loved her. 
That's what we see in the scripture, but it goes deeper than that. Jacob knew the promise of God. And so he worked for those seven years, and to prove himself even more faithful and even more loyal, he worked another seven years. Because he knew that God would deliver him. Because he had faith that the right woman would be in his life. And can we not ask ourselves to do the same thing? Can we not work for what is right? Yes, it is true that God gifted his son Jesus, and we are saved only through him. But Jesus taught us many things by his own example. Jesus calls us to abide in him. We cannot succeed alone. We can work for 14 years just like Jacob did. But without faith, it amounts to nothing. We are called to keep his commandments of love and of compassion. And that requires us to work hard, to seek God, and to show our work to others. To take an active role in the love of Christ. Jacob didn't pay the Mohar with money or with precious jewels. He could have gone off to earn the money and pay off the Mohar, especially someone who would be willing to pay more for less work. But instead, Jacob took the honest route and spent 14 years, day in and day out, to work towards that. In our modern times, that would be maybe a ninth, a tenth of our life, not an insignificant amount of time. And that's if we're lucky to reach 90 and 100 years old, which is not all too common. But we are called to work just as hard as Jacob, if not even more, to work for our neighbor, to take an active role in our community. For it is among one another where we find Jesus Christ. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Thanks be to God. Amen.